Are you a help or a hindrance for the advancement of the kingdom of God? Here's Pastor Ed Ray. He is here. Jesus is here right now. Moving up and down these aisles, looking to touch your life. All you have to do is reach out to him, humble yourself, and he will touch whatever you need. That's the message of day one from John the Baptist. He is here. He who is coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal I'm not worthy to lose. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place got to dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. Welcome once again to Grow in Grace. We'll be joined by Pastor Ed Ray in just a moment. Today, he'll be continuing his study of the Gospel of John. Now, when it comes to ministry, we need to realize, hopefully sooner than later, it's all about Jesus and not ourselves. And our lives in ministry must be fueled by the Spirit of God if it's going to be effective. That comes to our attention through the passage before us today in John chapter 1, verses 14 through 34. John the Baptist brought a message of repentance, and he encouraged people to receive and follow Christ. And that's a message we need to hear, receive, and pass along today as well. Verse 15, John bore witness of him, cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. As we saw in the beginning, that Jesus, from the Gospel of Luke, we understand, John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus and related his cousin. So when John says, that Jesus was before him, he means in time, when he was born in the flesh, but also in position because he always has been. That's a difficult concept to grasp. We looked at it a little bit last week, but that God has always existed. God is existing and will always exist into eternity. And of his fullness, we have received from God. Grace for grace. I love this verse from the NIV. For the fullness of his grace, we have received one blessing after another. Because what this is saying is that it's grace upon grace. When you receive grace from God this morning, he's going to pile more on it this afternoon. A little bit of grace leads to a little bit more grace, which leads to more grace, which means abounding grace, grace upon grace upon grace. Favor with God. Charles Spurgeon said about this subject, English preacher, 1800s, I hear someone murmur, God will not give grace to men who do not repent, but God gives men the grace to repent. No man ever repented until grace first is given him to lead him to repentance. Another complains, but God will not give his grace to those who won't believe. I reply, God gives grace to men and women by which they are moved to believe. It is through the grace of God that they're brought 
to faith in Christ. So repentance is a gift from God, and believing is a gift from God. Romans agrees. There is an amount of grace and amount of faith given to every man, every person. For law was given through Moses. Moses came down from the mount with the Ten Commandments and then a whole bunch more. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Hmm. Law was a temporary, temporal application of truth, not the final expression of it. Truth was finally expressed in Jesus Christ of who God is, of what God is looking for in us, what God wants to give to us, what God wants us to become. That all came through Jesus Christ and is still coming now. We've received truth, light, understanding, because he wants us to understand who he is. I, I was studying a book that had a testimony from a Buddhist priest who had found faith in Christ. In writing about it, he said, one of the hardest things to understand was why I didn't have to work my way to heaven. Are you listening? In Buddhism, you must pray hard, burn incense, and give many offerings. Even so, you can't know for sure if you're going to heaven. It was very hard to change all my beliefs and turn away from my family's religion. I needed time to think through so many ideas, but my Christian friends never acted upset by all my questions. They just smiled and tried hard to explain things the best they could. After many conversations, much prayer and Bible study, the truths about God's grace and love found their way into my heart. It's all because of Jesus, he said. He thought he had to earn his way to heaven. I grew up in a church that I thought I had to earn my way to heaven. You just do enough good things to outweigh the bad things. And maybe someday, if it's not a Monday, you can get into heaven. If God's not having a bad day, he might let you come. No, no, that's so wrong. That's so far from what Scripture is saying. Grace. Verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. This might sound confusing. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him, declared exegeso. He has shown him. He's brought out the truth about who Father God really is. Some struggle with the Old Testament. They're called theophanies, where God appeared to be appearing in his completeness, but it wasn't his completeness. No man can see God and live in the flesh. That's what this point is. That when Moses went up on Mount Sinai and God, he said, I want to see you. And God said, get in this crack in the rock. And he goes in and God puts his hands over it and walks past. Why? To protect Moses from death. You can't see God in his fullness and live. Abraham, Genesis 18 is met by two angels. One of them turns out to be the Lord. Why wasn't he vaporized? Well, because it was just a, a partial 
That's what theophany is. A partial revelation of who God is. What about Isaiah? In Isaiah 6, he saw the Lord high and lifted up on the, in the temple and his train filled the temple. But he wasn't vaporized because he was only getting a vision of God, not the completeness of God. And you and I will not see God until we get to heaven, when we're no longer in this tent that we talked about. So it all fits together. You just have to look at the whole Bible, and it makes complete sense. Now, this last section of what we read this morning is of John the Baptist, bringing three messages on three separate days. And I'm submitting to you that it's true today, exactly what he was preaching. And he was giving the gospel, the good news, as an Old Testament prophet. I'll show you. Now, this is the testimony of John, verse 19. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? So, who are you, John? And we know from Scripture that he preached in the wilderness of Jesus. He's in the desert. Think 29 palms. Wow. Today? <laughs> His message was the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and be baptized, for the kingdom is here. He was a strange-looking guy. He dressed in camel hair. And he didn't shave or cut his hair and it just grew longer and longer because he took a vow called the Nazarite that they wouldn't cut their hair, they wouldn't eat anything from the vine, the grapevine. People came from all over Jerusalem and literally all over the world to be confronted in their sin. Repent and be baptized, he said. He would baptize Jesus in the Jordan River. Now, this is what John is saying about himself, starting in verse 20. He confessed and did not deny. He confessed, I am not the Christ. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not God, which is a good thing for all of us to remember. Shirley MacLean danced around on screen and said she was God. She was God. I thank God she's not God. I need a God much more powerful than a movie star. I need a God who can change me from the inside and a God that will remind me that I'm not God either. And he's capable of doing things I could never do for myself. So I'm not the Christ, he said. Well, then they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah, the prophet Elijah? Why would they ask that? Because the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, says that Elijah will come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And they were looking for that to be the Messiah, the presentation. So Elijah should come first. So are you him? I am not. Are you the prophet? And in Deuteronomy 18, Moses said there would be a prophet that would come that would know everything. Of course, he was talking about Jesus. John said, no, I'm not that prophet. Then they said to him, well, what are you? Good question for all of us. That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? To report back to the Sanhedrin, the, the Supreme Court of Israel in, in the city of Jerusalem. And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. 
as the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 40, verse 4. Isaiah prophesied 600 years before John was born that he would come and straighten everything out for the Messiah. He said he would take the mountains in your life and in mine and bring them down level. He said Jesus would come and he would take the valleys and lift them up, make the road in front of you easier. He said he would take the rough places from your life and mine and smooth them. That he would take out all the ruts. I was pretty rough coming into the kingdom of God. Rough language, not much. But God saw something I didn't see, and he began work. He's still working, right? That's why we're here. Because he's not through yet, praise God. We're going through John's Gospel right now with Pastor Ed Ray on Grow in Grace. Here he is with more from Chapter 1. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight, take the crookedness out of our lives. Maybe not you, but me. <laughs> Years ago, I read when President Bill Clinton, then president, went to Australia. They were so excited to have an American president there that they sent teams in advance all over the city and the countryside in North Queensland where he was going to come. They literally paved every road in that area all over again with asphalt. That's what the illustration that John is using and Isaiah is using. Now those who were sent from Jerusalem to talk to John were Pharisees. They were the legalists. Got to do everything by the law. And they asked him saying, why then do you baptize if you are not Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? Why would a Jew be baptized? Because in that day, Jews only baptized Gentiles, heathens, those who were not from the country, the background, the genetics of Abraham. What are you doing baptizing Jews? That's an insult to Jews is what they're saying. Yeah, the insult is you need to repent. You're a sinner and you need God's forgiveness. It was right on. But John said, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you whom you do not know. Now, this is day one of these three days. This is his first message. It's God speaking to us here. It's his message. He is here. Jesus is here right now. Moving up and down these aisles. Looking to touch your life. All you have to do is reach out to him. Humble yourself and he will touch whatever you need. That's the message of day one from John the Baptist. He is here. He who is coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal I'm not worthy to lose. To loosen. Pictures from a slave who would take off a sandal to wash somebody's feet. In the Old Testament, it was a picture of humility. Moses before the burning bush. God said, take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. You're in the presence of a holy God. Jesus would wash the feet of his disciples. Ruth, in the book of Ruth, she would 
have a sandal off as a picture of her humility. These things were done in Bethabara. Your translation might say Bethany beyond the Jordan. Bethabara is the correct translation. It came from the third century, a guy named Origen, where John was baptizing. Now, John's baptizing out in the wilderness. That's the Jordan River. I'm sorry, it doesn't look like a beautiful blue flowing stream. It's not. It's kind of muddy. And uh, that group of people are from this church three years ago being baptized in the Jordan River because you're holier if you get baptized in the Holy River. (laughs) (laughs) Bethabara, you can see, is just above the Dead Sea. So uh, I really love the Jordan River not because I think it's any better than, but for me, it's my, my memory of baptizing my grandchildren. Wow. Verse 29, the next day, so now it's day two, the second message is, John saw Jesus coming forward. He said, behold, look at, study, consider. Who is this that we're looking at? He's here. That's the first message. Now look at him. Think about him. Think about how your life relates to his and vice versa. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb. Not as powerful a picture for us as it was for the Jews. They knew that the Lamb was tied to the Passover feast when Pharaoh refused nine different miracles against him to let the people go. The tenth one was that they were to slay a lamb. Every family was to take a lamb and to sacrifice it and put the blood of that lamb over their doorpost. So when the death angel would come that night, he would pass over those homes in which they were hidden under the blood. The blood of Jesus Christ, Paul wrote, cleanses us from all sin. So the death angel will pass over our homes, our hearts, each one of us, because we've called on the Lamb who died for our sins. What a picture. Consider that. Behold that, his second message. This is him of whom I said, After me comes the man who is preferred before me, God obviously before him, for he was before me, has always been. So again, he he repeats the eternal preexistence of Jesus. I did not know him, John said, verse 31, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. He did not realize he was the Messiah when they're growing up. They were were cousins, so they knew each other. He knew who Jesus was in the flesh, a, a person. He worked in his dad's carpenter shop. But he's saying, I didn't know he was the Messiah. I did not know him, verse 31, that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. The Holy Spirit came when Jesus was baptized. You'll remember, appeared over his head 
And they heard a voice from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. John said, then I knew. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. Baptizing, flow over, hupe, Greek word, upon. When those of you who are going to be baptized and the next couple of weeks on a sunny afternoon at the Dresden Center, you'll go under the water to identify with Christ, Paul said, with his death and his burial and his resurrection. But you will also not just be baptized with the water, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit coming upon you. I waited to be baptized because I heard everybody talking about baptism, but I, I was baptized as, a, as an infant, my mother told me, right? In the church I was growing up in, they baptized babies at the eighth day. And she said, I was taken to the church and I was baptized in water. She also said they put me in a dress, which I haven't quite forgiven her for. She's in heaven now, so she's laughing right now. It was her great-grandmother's grandfather's dress or something. But I didn't repent. Why? Because you were stubborn. I'm eight days old. I don't even know what repentance is. So a couple of years after becoming a Christian, I was at a baptism service with some long-haired hippie freak in Riverside at the YMCA. And I was playing guitar and leading worship. And he finished, he said, there's somebody else here that needs to be baptized. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. I said, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm up here in front. I didn't bring any clothes. I'll, I'll be wet, I'll be humiliated. God says, that's the point. Put down my guitar, walked out. Greg said, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> said, I need to be baptized. He said, well, you're in the right place. In, with the smell of chlorine bleach in my nose, I came up out of the water and had the second most spiritual experience I've ever had in my life. God came to me and spoke clearly. And I say that to you in no way of bragging because it was grace, what we've been talking about. But I want you to be excited about that concept if you're struggling. Well, I was baptized when I was whatever. If the Holy Spirit says you need to be baptized now as an adult in repentance. Then come and do it. And the Holy Spirit will descend upon you. That's the promise of God. Thanks for joining us for Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. For a CD copy of today's message, call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE or listen online at thepackinghouse.org when it's most convenient. And to help you grow in grace, we'd like to recommend Pastor Ed's daily devotional. 
It's accessible online at thepackinghouse.org. Our featured resource this month is Tale of Three Kings, authored by Gene Edwards. And I'm sure we've all experienced pain, loss, or heartache at the hands of other believers, and it can be a confusing time. But rather than turn bitter and angry, you can experience healing and hope. Gene Edwards looks at David, Saul, and Absalom. I know you'll be touched as you read this story. We'll send it your way for a gift of any amount to grow in grace. And please remember, it's your support that helps us bring these teachings to the radio every day. Call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. We love hearing from our listeners. Let us know how we can pray for you and what you're getting out of this study. Tell us your story of how you've been growing in grace. That would be so encouraging to hear. Drop us an email today at packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And then join us next time as together we grow in grace with Pastor Ed Ray. May God richly bless you as you grow in grace. This program is listener-supported and brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said let this world know me by your